1: in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, rated W for weird, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey
0: there, and this episode is rated T for teen. (laughs) Uh, We're doing an episode about the ESRB. Okay. So, uh, are you okay? I am okay. It's the entertainment software rating board. And this, uh, this is actually a request, uh, that was sent to us by a couple of different listeners who wanted to know more about this system. It's history. Why do we have it? Uh, does it work? What's it all about? So in general, the ESRB, sorry, Alfie, the ESRB, what's it all about Alfie? Mm -hmm. The ESRB is a, uh, it's a rating system for video games. Yes. And it's, it's a rating system not for the quality of the game, but what is the content, how the content of the game shapes the game and, and whether or not that content is, um, uh, suitable for different age groups. So, uh, just running through the, the different ratings really quickly. Uh, the ESRB has ratings for EC, which is early childhood. That's, uh, games that are suitable for ages three and older. Mm-hmm. Uh, younger than three, we just typically say these are people who probably can't process what the heck is going on anyway, so it really doesn't matter what it is, uh, but uh, not really appropriate. In any case, get that two-year-old off my Xbox. Uh, e is uh, for everyone, which is actually not everyone. It's really content that's suitable for ages six and older, keeping in mind that Content that's EC, early childhood, probably has gameplay elements that most uh, people all over the age of six wouldn't be terribly interested in. Um, I say most because there are exceptions. I mean, I'm not going to pass judgment on Chris if he wants to play lots of EC games. There's uh, E10+, t- which is everyone 10 and older. So uh, again, slightly more uh, restrictive than just the E. T for teen. Uh, M for mature, meaning people who are seventeen or older, uh, and AO, <laughs> AO, which is adults only, uh, which sh- has content in it that should only be played by people of eighteen years of age or older.
2: According to the rating. According to the rating. And, AO. O A.
0: And each of these, each of these ratings have their own criteria as to you know what what constitutes a T ra- rating as opposed to an M rating. And, uh, in general, what we're talking about here are, um, types of content that might include things like gambling that, that will up a, uh, ESRB rating on a game to a higher one to like M or whatever. Uh, Violence, blood, gore, sexual content, strong language, drug use, this kind of stuff, sort of the same things that you would see with the Motion Picture Association of America with their rating system for movies. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are a lot of parallels. And you, th- you might say, all right, so we have this rating system. Uh, how did that get started? And really, to to understand that, you have to go back into the history of video games.
2: I would argue in a way that you'd have to go back into the history of – Entertainment content because I think the ESRB yeah. is uh, well, it, it's a consortium, really. Yeah. Or and and the thing is, I think they were paying attention to what had happened to people in other industries as well. Right. It just it, it before
0: the uh, before the the early nineties, it was kind of a moot point only because video games were fairly primitive as far as graphics are concerned. So it was not easy to graphically represent something that would be objectionable. Uh, not that people didn't try and not that there aren't uh, exceptions because there are. I'm thinking of one right off the top of my head from the Atari 2600 days. But it, you, you could not realistically represent things like uh, graphic violence or, or sexual content uh, before the 16-bit era, you mm-hmm. know, it was just really the consideration was that the 8-bit era and earlier, everything was so blocky and so pixelated that it didn't really resemble reality. It was more like seeing something in a cartoon. So, uh, you know, you might watch a cartoon as a kid of uh, Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner, and the Roadrunner does something and Wile E. Coyote suffers a terrible injury. And there are some people who would argue that that could be harmful to kids. Uh, seeing as how it shaped me and who I am,
2: well,
0: that's anecdotal. Anyway, and Chris, uh, you know, don't worry. I'm not going to do anything with this enormous mallet behind me.
2: Um, hee Well, yes, I, and, and, you know, that there were some exceptions. I do bear a striking resemblance to my character from adventure <laughs> on the Atari.
0: Right. Uh, just a block.
2: Cause I am a, a block. Just a,
0: just a block. Just one pixel block, but a, a giant pixel. Uh, once we got into the 16-bit era, We started to have more realistic, more fluid graphics and there were, you know, the, the population that was playing video games was beginning to grow older. You know, you were, you had people who had started playing video games as kids on systems like the Atari or the Nintendo Entertainment System or whatever. And so they were continuing to play video games as they got older and their interests began to um, go into more What we call mature, uh, subjects. So just like people who watch movies, you know, they might want to go see an R-rated movie or something. Uh, same sort of thing. And so the video game publishers began to cater to that audience. I mean, you've got to remember also the people who were developing video games. They were video game players, you know, when they were kids. We're talking about the early 90s here. The people who played video games in the very early 80s were now the people who were making video games in the 90s. Their tastes had matured. And so, You started to see video games that were uh, depicting violence in a more realistic and uh, graphic way than ever before. And that began to raise some concerns in the minds of certain people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of those people held quite a bit of influence. Uh, People like uh, the Senator Joe Lieberman uh, and Senator Herb uh, Herb Cole. Mm -hmm. They both were... Uh, concerned and they had hearings in the United States Senate about video game violence and how that affected children and whether or not in fact video games were contributing to the corruption of society. This is not a new thing.
2: Oh no, not no, no. at all.
0: We have had politicians worry about de- various forms of entertainment corrupting the youth and ruining everything, and that's why apple pie doesn't taste as sweet. It's why you can't walk down the street at night. It's why you have to lock your doors when you leave in the evening. It's it's why you you never have the paper because your neighbor always steals it. It's 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 the per it's actually the reason why everything is terrible now. I'm exaggerating for effect.
2: Okay. I but, didn't know if you were you were you know yeah. being S- sincere? Well no. Yeah. But um but yeah, I mean and then it's not just politicians, of course. No, there are, no. You no, know. there
0: are parents' associations. There are just concerned citizens who uh draw conclusions that a form of entertainment and the, its popularity among a certain group might in fact influence that certain group to behave in a negative way.
2: Or to be desensitized against violence, for example. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So not, not necessarily they'll go out and hit somebody over the head with a mallet. But if they often. see someone
0: else hit someone uh, over the head with a mallet, they won't necessarily spring to action. Um, yeah, there, I, there are concerns and there have been lots of different studies. Uh, with very different outcomes about mm-hmm. whether or not uh, violence in media affects people in a real way beyond, you know, beyond like a visceral reaction. Does mm-hmm. it have a lasting impact on a person's personality? Those are questions that still have not been fully answered because there are a lot of studies out there with conflicting results. Yes. I know what I believe, but but mm-hmm. there are results that conflict with what I believe. So.
2: Well, as it turns out, it, it it may be one of those frustrating situations where it may depend on the individual person, right? Well, in w- which case, I would
0: argue that that's a person that's yeah. a person issue, not a not an industry issue, yeah. right? Because it's, it's one of those – you could make the argument of, well, if this one person who was affected by this one type of media were to instead have fixated upon another type of media, we'd be having the same discussion, but we'd be having it about music.
2: Well, yeah. And yeah. this
0: discussion has been about music. It has been about television. It has been about film. It's been about novels. It's been about classical music. I mean any, sure. any form of entertainment you can imagine – it's gone through this experience of people talking about, you know, that novel, that newfangled way of putting words together and creating f- fanciful fictional stories is ruining everything. Oh yeah. That, yeah. that actually, there were people who said that. Oh yeah. Novels they're, they're...
2: were bringing about the downfall of society. <laughs> uh, well, hey, um, I recently yeah. read that, that, uh, Plato I think it was had uh, rebelled against the written word yeah, because Socrates he said, yes he said no it's you yeah, it shouldn't write things down writing
0: things down means that you are sapping your own ability to think that was yes. the idea. So. It's, it's the same argument about Google making us stupid because everything that we need to know is on the web now. Yeah. So we don't need to remember it in our, our meat space heads. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anyway, like we – the point of that whole thing is just to say video games are not unique in this situation. This has gone through multiple venues, multiple forms of media. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you had a lot of pressure coming from the United States government – for something to be done in the video game industry uh, within the industry itself or the ultimatum was if you guys don't get together and figure out a way of taking care of this, then we're going to do it. Yeah. We being the United States government. And and the industry was like – did not want that to happen. They did not want to have some sort of federal regulation in place over the video game industry. And so it was imperative to come up with some sort of industry-based rating system that could be demonstrably proven to be as objective as possible. So it's not, you know, it's not pulling the wool over anyone's eyes or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to have some sort of enforceable, uh, policy. Yeah. Uh, those were all important issues.
2: Yeah. And, and again, they're, they're taking their, their, their cues from other similar or, or other entertainment industries, like the Motion Picture Association of America with, uh, with movie ratings several decades. Prior and uh, right. of course the Comics Code from comic books after uh, Frederick Wortham's uh, um, seduction of the innocent. Um, wow, uh, but yeah, I mean the, these these industries self-regulated. They said, okay, okay, you know what? We'll get together. We'll form a group, and we will come up with a rating system that helps people identify what kind of content to. You know, will be in the package right. when you when you do this. And yeah, I mean, there were there were certain games in particular. I think some, you know, like Mortal, Mortal Kombat.
0: Kombat. That's the one, the Mortal Kombat. I think more than any other video game has been cited as the the genesis of this discussion. I mean, there are other ones too, like Doom. That was another
2: big one. Doom, Doom, to Doom, doom, um, doom. Night Trap for home yeah. games.
0: Lethal Enforcers, which was a, as I recall, a light gun based game. So I mean yeah, these these were games that had a lot of violence in them. Of course, by today's games standards, if you're talking about a truly a truly violent game in today's standards, they might seem quaint in comparison. Yeah. But uh but you know, that was what caused the these conversations to happen. And as a result, the games industry or actually different companies within the industry all began to suggest ratings systems. And yeah. in fact, there were quite a few in the earliest days. There were several competing ones. Sega came out with one. The
2: Video Game Rating Council?
0: Uh, yep. Video Game Rating Council was from Sega. Uh, there was uh, the 3DO suggested one. Uh, they, they had the Recreational Software Advisory Council formed by uh, Software Publishers Association. And then there was one called the Interactive Digital Software Association, which again was a uh, uh, a collection, IDSA, collection of, of software companies that were, uh, advocating for a particular, uh, rating system. And that IDSA, IDSA, eventually became the Entertainment Software Rating Board, ESRB, as we now know it. Mm-hmm. That got presented to Congress. And in 1994, uh, Congress approved the form, the formation of the ES, ESRB, and they, you know, it was formally made the rating system for American video games. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you pick up a video game in America, a video game case, there's a very good chance, in fact, an overwhelmingly good chance, that you will see a little black box with white, you know, white inside, and then there's a black letter that indicates what the rating for that particular game is. Right. Um, and, and that's become the, the standard, essentially. Uh, and here's the thing is that there's, there's no, the reason for this, again, is so that the consumer has an idea of what type of content is going to be in that game. Uh, it's, it's not specifically meant to dictate to retailers what they need to do with each type of game. Like, in other words, there's no rule that says, okay, anything that is rated T or or higher in the, on the maturity scale, like T or M or AO, mm-hmm. cannot be three feet off the floor. It has to be higher up than that. Like there's no rule about that. There's, right. There's no, there's no specific policy in place or law in place that says you have to be a certain age to be able to buy a game. The rating is there as a guide to say this is what – this is who the game is intended. Right. You know, we mean this for people who are 17 or older or 18 or older. Yeah. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at Concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot I bet you're smart.
2: Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat we can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit
1: follow. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with
0: in fact, there was – the United States Supreme Court found that that you cannot restrict uh, mature or adults-only titles to specific age groups because con- video game content falls under the realm of free speech, which cannot be infringed upon by the government. Now, that doesn't mean that the stores can't have policies – because the stores are not the government. In fact, that was the whole reason why this board was formed was so that they could keep that separation between government and business. Yeah. So a, an actual retailer, if you were to go to a video game store, they might have a policy that says, we do not sell, uh, any game that is a ranked M or AO to anyone, uh, under the age of 17 and we will ask for ID. And that's right. their policy and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. The government can't restrict it, but a store can. And uh, also, I'll go ahead and say it, uh, AO games very rarely get carried in stores. Yeah. Because uh, it's kind of the same thing as the NC-17 rating for films. Films that get an NC-17 rating very, very rarely get any sort of release in most theaters. You might have a few independent theaters that will run NC-17 movies. Yeah. But in general, they do not get any sort of wide release at all. It's very rare when that happens. So same sort of thing with AO games. So getting an AO rating, if you are a game publisher and mm-hmm. you develop a game and you submit it to the ESRB and you get an AO rating, your first reaction might be, we need to change this because no one's going to carry our game in, in stores and we're not going to make any money.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now they don't, uh, they don't necessarily play all of the games and actually they fact, don't
0: they don't play the games at all.
2: Well, they do have in-house testers, <laughs> yeah. According to the ESRB who well, who do go through it. Um, and as a result of uh, <laughs> the whole hot coffee incident, they are supposed to at least disclose everything that's in the in the the package that you could get. Yeah, we'll um, have to, we'll have to even if it's that. hidden.
0: Okay, so. In order to in order to understand what Chris has just said, you know we have to have some background here first yeah. of all the the generally the way that a game manufacturer submits a game to the ESRb esrb's uh, uh, general way of testing a game doesn 't necessarily involve playing it it can involve playing it but to play a game and to really get an, a sense of what the content is all about can take hours and hours and hours of gameplay.
2: Yeah, so they don't play every single game that comes into them all the way through.
0: What, what they do tend to do, though, is part of the ESRB ratings process is they require a game manufacturer to submit a DVD that has on it the examples of the most extreme types of content that game has. Yes. So in other words, you're watching like a... Clip a uh, uh, compilation of the worst of this game. Worst being in the sense of like the most intense content. So, right. mm-hmm. if the, if it has any sort of violent content or uh, a sexually graphic content or or foul language, anything like that, anything that would affect the rating, the the most intense examples of that are supposed to be included on the DVD, so that the ratings uh, experts who are trained in uh, the the processes that the ESRB uses to determine the rating for a game so that they can determine what rating applies here. And if you were to release a game that turned out to contain content that went beyond what you showed the DVD in the DVD, you could suffer some pretty stiff fines mm-hmm. industry. Uh, the, the industry itself would fine you and you could, Face a recall, which could be very expensive to recall all the copies of a game. Now that is the case when when Chris was talking about the hot coffee incident. Right. That's specifically talking about uh, it was Grand Theft Auto Four, right? Yeah. I want to say or Grand Theft Auto San, San Andreas. Andreas. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas was specifically what it was. Two thousand five. I, I own that game. So this was uh, something that was originally included in the game, and it was a mini game, and it was a, it was a sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. And and it was uh, uh, ultimately the game designers decided not to include it in the game, but they didn't remove it so much as they kind of the the code was still there, but it was inactive.
2: Yeah, it was sort of like an Easter egg. Well, yeah, you it, could get to it if you but- if
0: you knew how to either uh, uh, if you knew how to either alter an Xbox console. Or if you were using the PC version, if you were able to use some software to activate the code, you could get access to this game. But it was this mini-game within the game. Uh, but it was not intended for public consumption. At least right. that's what the publisher said. And the problem hmm. was that went outside what they had submitted to the ratings board. And they had a, their original rating for that game was M for mature. Mm-hmm. That mini game pushed it over to adults only, and so they ended up doing a recall and republishing the game without the code in it at all, so they could regain that M mature rating. Right. Uh, if you were to uh, submit your game again, you would send this DVD to the ESRB. They would have up to well at least three people looking at it Mm -hmm. those three people would have experience with kids that's actually one of the requirements is that they would have to have some sort of experience either professional or personal with children in order to be able to view the content and then judge at what age level is this appropriate right and so uh it's not just you know some scientists with beakers and uh uh, me 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 not that kind of beaker oh. but with a like uh, electronic devices saying well scientifically we've determined that 16 is exactly the age at which this game uh, can be sold and no one under 16 should should ever play it uh, it's not that way it's uh, it's a little more subjective than that in fact so is in fact the, the the film rating system it's not there's no rating system that I know of that is truly objective so You may find examples of games on the market where you're thinking, this game is rated T for teen, this game's rated M for mature, and I cannot see a significant difference in content between the two games. That's entirely possible. Uh, Same with M and AO. You might say, well, why did this incredibly violent game get a mature rating? But this game, which has a brief... uh, Scene that's that's part of the game that has some sort of sexuality to it that got A O, and it, again it also brings into question things like uh, the the cultural values like uh, which this gets discussions all the time. Why do we think of violence being more acceptable than uh, uh, scenes that depict sexuality, for example? Right, and I mean, there's that's a complicated cultural question that goes well beyond the scope of. Uh, this podcast, I mean that, it would be a fascinating discussion, but doesn't really play into here. Uh, but yeah, if you take a look, there's, there's a list that they maintain that the uh, ESRB maintains of all the games that have uh, received an AO rating.
2: It's a tiny, tiny list.
0: Uh, There's not many and almost all of them. In fact, all of them that I can think of, uh, have strong sexual content as one of the components of the game and except for well, one was gambling and it was actual gambling and that's what got it an AO rating and the rest were right. strong sexual content which gave it the AO rating whereas uh there was I think only one game that I can think of that merited an uh, initially merited an AO rating based solely upon violence. Yeah. Which yeah. was uh, The Punisher, as I recall. Oh, okay. And um, mm. it w- it just it had such graphic depictions of violence and, and torture scenes that the game publisher ended up going back, and in order to avoid an AO rating, they changed... Uh, there were there was like some interrogation scene, I think, mm. that was so intense that that was what was the the real problem. That was the crux of it. So they changed it from color to a black and white... Uh, Uh, image Mm -hmm. for that particular sequence. And that was enough to knock it back down to mature, Wow, which is kind of interesting. I mean, again, that's a philosophical discussion that I think needs to happen and has happened in the past, but needs to continue to happen. uh, But is outside the scope of our, our show. Yeah. Yeah. But there aren't, there aren't many for AO and they're almost all PC games. Yeah. Yeah. Working remotely where you are, shouldn't dictate what you do. With SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at Concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot The
2: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow The Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
1: Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ends. Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT and T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT and T Fiber. Live like a Gaginian. There. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited to availability in select areas. Visit slash hypergig for details.
2: Well, the uh, according to the the ESRB, there were 1,332 ratings given. In 2011, uh, 45% of them were rated E for everyone, Uh, 20% were everyone 10 and older, 26% were teen, 9% were mature. That actually really surprises me, but maybe it's because it's the type of games I play, which
0: tend to be in that mature range. Because they tend to have a lot of, uh, of violence in them, so yeah. that that knocks it up to mature pretty quickly. Um, the, and games have gotten a lot more complicated. With a big hammer,
2: knocks it right yeah. on up there.
0: But games have gotten a lot more complicated than yeah. when when the ESRB first launched these these ratings. Uh, games were somewhat uh, less complex in the sense that yeah. not only not only were they graphically more simple, but you didn't have to worry about things like uh, online components so much. Uh, you know the this was the era where online gaming was starting to become a thing but it was it was pretty rare uh, today of course it's common for games to have online components so now you will also have other elements included with your basic rating which includes uh, the content descriptors which tell you why in a very broad sense the game is rated a particular way. So it mm-hmm. might say you know M for strong for, for violence and blood and gore something like that right. But there's also what they call interactive elements. These are features that a game might have that could uh, change the the experience of playing that game, but it's outside the scope of the content itself. This is stuff like the game has some sort of social element to it like it might share personal information about you when you play this game. Well, that's something that you would want to know. It doesn't have anything to do with the content of the game, but because it could share your personal information, you probably want to know that before you buy the game. Yeah. Uh, Or that it may also allow for online play with other gamers. Now, again, uh, an online game might be the least objectionable thing in the world. It might be a simple puzzle game that has no objectionable content and would be rated E for everyone based on the... Uh, the, the gameplay itself. Mm-hmm. But if it has that online component, then again, adults kind of need to know because you go online and people do not necessarily behave the same way that the content would uh, suggest. So you might have the most foul mouthed, awful person playing a puzzle game with you. Yep. And, uh, and you know, you can't blame it on the game. It's the person who's doing it. But, you know, by including that interactive element on the box, the, the person buying the game is like, okay, if I play it this way, I can expect that sometimes I'm going to encounter material that could be objectionable.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's all subjective, which is Yeah.
0: that's the and that's the trickiest part. You know, you you like I said, you can have two different. You you could submit the same game to two different fully trained groups of people who that's their job is to. Uh, to put a rating to a game and get two different results. Mm -hmm. And it's because it is subjective. Uh, there's like, you know, it's not like you count up the number of times, uh, someone gets punched in the face and that determines whether it goes to, from T to M or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a little, I mean, it, but again, this, this is all about the software industry monitoring themselves so that there's not some sort of government agency doing it for them.
2: Yeah, ultimately it's it's in the industry's best interest to do its own policing yeah. so that they can avoid uh, any uh, imperial entanglement. Right,
0: right, right. I thought I detected your stench as soon as I came on board. Um, the, yeah, yeah. Sorry so, about that. Uh, uh, no more chili. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's – It's one of those things where, where you know, if the industry didn't do it, it was going to get done to them. And again, these these ratings are guidelines. So a store can develop certain policies, but ultimately, like you know, you can buy games online. That's another issue: downloadable content that can change a game.
2: Yeah, because what comes in the package when you buy it from the store could be very simple and.
0: Yeah, like you could have a game where it's you know fairly violent but not terrible, you know. Mm-hmm. So so let's say it gets a mature rating. So it's it's bad enough. So they say all right, seventeen and older. They That we're going to limit it to seventeen or older. Right. And then you have downloadable content that has much more intense content in it. Then you might have people say, wait, now this really needs to be adults only. Now that that causes problems. That mm-hmm. makes it more complicated. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 a comp- complex issue. Uh, I also kind of it does make me wonder at what level do they say we need to put this as adults only it goes beyond mature because I've played some games that have had some pretty intense content in it and you know not that I'm advocating that those games get reassigned a different rating but it just makes me wonder really where where is the where's the line mm-hmm you know, and I, I, again, I suspect it's the strong sexual content that's really the line. Um, uh, that's just a based on anecdotal experience. So it's not, you know, don't take it to the bank or anything, but based on you know, some of the incredibly violent games I've played where you can do some pretty awful stuff, <laughs> mm-hmm. it does make me wonder, all right, where's the limit? I don't, I don't understand where the, this divider is.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's understandable because it's you know there's with it being subjective there's no clear-cut book of stuff that people are judging it by.
0: Now, I would say if you are a parent and you're listening to this podcast, yes. pay attention to those ratings on the video game covers and think about that, you know, and, and think about the influence that might have on a kid or just think if that's if that's really something that you think your your kid should be getting into. I mean, Uh, I think I think parents do need to take a lot of responsibility for this and pay attention to what their kids are getting into, because, um, you know, it's better to know up front than to be surprised later on. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you're cool with your kid playing mature games, then that's a personal decision. And I'm not going to argue with you one way or the other. I don't have kids, so I don't feel like I have any ground to stand on when it comes to that sort
2: of discussion. Yeah. But just be aware. As vilified as it is in some circles, I do think that having the ratings available to people makes it a little easier to tell sort of the the situation you're getting into when you when you pick up a game. Yeah, um, and there are I'm I'm sure there are quite a few uh, adults who uh, who are buying games for themselves who sort of like you know you just see you glance at the game you go oh that looks interesting and then you see the thing and you might say you know what if yeah. this is mature, there's probably a lot of violence or. Or if you're or an sex. adult, you might
0: look at it and say, "Oh, it's T 13 That's not going to." Yeah, th- it goes the other way too, right? Like right. you have people who who want to play really intense games, and they're like, "Oh, this looks cool," and then you're like, "Oh, it's T 13 That's not intense enough." Yeah, just like you know, I, I hear this all the time from people who are fans of horror movies, mm-hmm. and a horror movie comes out and it's rated PG or PG thirteen, and they think, "Oh, yeah. well, then it's not worth seeing because it's not going to," you know. Personally, I think that you can do a lot within that rating uh, by cranking up tension and terror, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, a, an inferior movie just because it has that rating, but that's, that's one of those things. Like, you know, you go out and you buy a game or you're going to buy a game. You see it's rated E for everyone. You're like, yeah, I could get that or I could get blood, guts and gore seven, the, the, the torturing, uh, which is M. Let's get that one instead. And, um, it has nothing to do with the quality of the content mm-hmm. in the sense of whether it's a, a, a fun game to play. It just has to do with the actual content. So, um, yeah, don't treat these ratings as, uh, as, as a statement of the actual quality of the game itself, that would be a mistake as well, because you could have a game that's rated M for mature that's n- nearly unplayable, just terrible. Yeah. And another game that's E for everyone that might seem like it's just a very, you know, kind of uh, simple, silly game, but be really genuinely fun to play. So yeah. don't take the ratings as any sort of uh, comment on what the gameplay experience will be
2: like. Yeah, that would be that would be kind of interesting. Have a different set of ratings. Well, you know, this is this is rated E for everyone. So maybe my kid could Oh wait, no, it's rated S for stinks. Yeah. Okay, never mind. It's
0: rated for E for everyone who doesn't care if their game is good or not. <laughs> like, no, I don't want that one. Mm. This 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 rating system got really complicated. <laughs> yeah, that's why I go to different video game sites that uh, that post reviews of video games because uh, again, this this uh, maturity rating doesn't give you any indication of whether or not the game is actually worth playing. Yeah,
2: see, see, I stay away from the M rating because I'm just not mature enough to handle it.
0: Well, this comes as a surprise to no one, Palette. True. So that wraps up this discussion about the ESRB. If you guys have any suggestions for topics we should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, I highly recommend you let us know. Send us an email. Our address is at discovery.com or drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon.
2: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal
1: podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment